Welcome to Machine Learning. What do comets and flying saucers have in common? They both operate on electromagnetic field tensors. Okay. <clears throat> comets are negatively charged and have craters. Electrical properties of matter affect mass. Comets are electrically charged bodies moving through the plasma field of the sun. Comets have craters. Comets lack the mass of a planet, so the gravity needed to pull an object towards a comet would not exist. A comet is one billionth the mass of the Earth. Comets hold a negative charge and are pushing against the positive charge of the solar winds. Okay, that's pretty interesting because it suggests that there that comets are electrically charged bodies. Okay, so let's move to the next thing. There is one source for gravitational force, and that is electric charge. Once you accept that as the premise of theory, then you can start putting together how flying saucers work. Let's go over how electromagnetism works. So if you can imagine that there is a stream of electrons moving one way and a stream of protons moving another way, if the stream of protons are moving faster than um, the electrons, it will begin exerting a positive force or a repelling force against protons in matter. So in essence, the electromagnetic fields, if they move the protons faster than the electrons in opposite directions, you will get a force vector, a electromagnetic field tensor vector. And that's exactly what happens with flying saucers. They have strong electromagnetic magnetic fields generated either by rare earth magnets and electricity, because you can create a magnetic field uh, by creating a coil effect and then accelerating the electric current as described around the coil, and it will produce a uh, electromagnetic field. But if you have a, let's say you have a type of metal, a liquid metal that can spin, like for example, maybe it's a manufactured or metal, nano metal, nano, um, or some, some metal that doesn't exist on the earth at this time, maybe in the future, blah, blah, blah let's say hypothetically that this metal does exist and it was spinning very fast, you could create a proton effect that would repel matter. And so in essence, you would have a object um, that would float. Now, what, how would that work in space? Well, there is matter in space, but it's very small. But since you don't have any gravitational effect, that repulsion in, even in space could uh, be possible.
electricity interacts with matter. Maxwell's theory of electromagnetism requires the existence of the ether. And what is the ether? We know it's this global cosmological constant, which we don't even know what it really is. Now, we have to account for its existence through dark matter and dark energy, but even their uh, existence is in question because we only know the effects uh, through the gravitational lens bending of light uh, around certain certain galaxies, which implies that there must be more matter uh, or mass affecting that gravitational lens. And so we come up with the idea, science comes up with the idea of dark matter and dark energy to account for a accelerating universe. But suppose the universe is not accelerating, as the science suggests, and that it's moving homogeneously, um, let's say a homogeneous distribution of matter, and it's moving at the same constant rate. The field is uniform. There is no acceleration of matter. Then we could conclude that this idea of dark energy and dark matter probably doesn't exist. So we move from a system of, of educated guess to now looking for data to suggest that it doesn't exist. And how can we explain that? It's non-existence. We can explain its non-existence through electricity. Electricity is a better explanation for the mechanisms of the universe than dark matter and dark energy. As I previously stated, there's one source for gravitational force. Okay, now let's let's say you have a magnet, positively charged, and you drop it towards the Earth, and there's a positively charged magnet on the Earth. Well, there is a repelling force, and we don't even understand it, other than there's these force vectors that when you have force vector positive going against force vector positive, it has a repelling effect, which cancels out the effect of gravity. Or, in essence, can create, uh, depending on the field strengths, and if you had a stronger field strength on the bottom and a weaker field strength on the top, maybe you would have, or the mass would be lifted. So we could say that electricity interacts with mass, matter, and that, uh, and that the properties of gravity are actually electrical properties. Electricity and gravitational for forces share some common characteristics. Both forces decrease over the inverse square of distance. So if and you take this in classic physics where you have matter, mass one and mass two, and there's a gravitational force. So you can calculate the gravitational force that mass one has on mass two. And as mass one gets further away, the effect of its gravitational force is inverse to the distance. The same is true with electricity. As you get further away from the electrical source, uh, the the effects of the electric current are decreased. 
The force strength is proportional to the product of interacting masses. Both forces act along a line between the masses. This is that in gravity, it has kind of like this, um, if you think of a ping pong going between two paddles, there's certain momentum and force being transferred at the reflection points of each paddle. And so as one paddle is hitting the ball, it's moving to the other side and is transferring that force in that directional force vector. And then it's being reflected off um, that surface back if the mass is greater on the paddle than the ball. So we get these transfer of force between the paddles. And the same is true of electric. You can have electric currents and they transfer between matter and some of the electricity is reflected or as described by science that the electrons flow over the matter and some is absorbed. So we have the same similar properties of electric currents on mass. Inertia can be explained by electrical structure of matter. So what is inertia? Okay, I take a, a ball and I connect it to a string and I spin it and there's a force vector uh, moving away from the center and also a force vector that's moving to the clockwise or counterclockwise depending on how you're spinning that ball. And the faster you spin, the greater the two forces are going to be for the, and they form a force perpendicular to each other. The same is true with electricity and electromagnetism. Our magnetic fields is that they form this right-hand rule cur current and induction current um, and magnetic field. So this has been a this is a good question. It's a good one because Maxwell's theory does not require the existence of the ether as a medium for electricity and magnetic fields. Um, it's true that the only reason for the existence of the ether is in the classical theory is that the electric and magnetic fields are supposed to be connected with each other by a field strength. This connection is needed to explain the fact that when electric charges are accelerated, they produce magnetic fields. And when magnetic poles are moved, they produce uh, electric fields. Well, then you have to have this consistent if that were true. And if you go down into the quantum electrodynamics, then does that behavior still apply? And you would have to explain that from the electromagnetics and the mathematics of electromagnetics and also how the quarks are working to produce these force vectors. So there's a book called uh, uh, Mechanics of Force. And I really like that because it, he did explain how forces were created uh, through Borla Borlegrino particle and uh, these are like almost like virtual particles. They're extremely small and they produced forces and you had twisters, quark twisters, and you had the quarks themselves. And 
you had forces between the lattice and these twisters that produce charge. So anyway, that's an interesting book and, and it had a mechanical explanation of force. The explanation of the connection between the electric and magnetic fields is not understand in the terms of local fields, but it can be uh, understood in terms of electromagnetic field tensor, which is the key tool in magnetism. And the way I visualize the tensor is, I imagine, visualize it as proton moving in one direction and electrons moving in another, and the protons creating a force vector against other protons in matter. And so that, that uh, helps me to understand the effect of current on matter. So it, it doesn't just have to be mag magnets. The, these uh, electromagnetic force vectors can affect uh, various other matter. And there's been some early experiments where they were showing the effect on uh, like the matter like steel. And, and it had a effect of making it brittle for some reason. I'm sure if I thought about it long enough, I would get that explanation. Okay, so how does this relate to electromagnetic stress, uh, stress energy tensor in general relativity? Well, if we ask the question for the source of electromagnetic field tensor, there's a straightforward answer, and that is electricity. So where do you get that kind of electricity or current in space. Um, well, it would have to be, the current would have to be almost everywhere. And Feynman says when he did studies of electromagnetic dynamics, his, his discovery, he said that the, there's plenty of energy at the bottom of the well, suggesting that if you could get access to zero-point energy or this vibration that's occurring at possibly the quark level, that there was plenty of energy. Um, there's So the universe itself has almost infinite energy, not, not infinite, but it has, it has a lot of energy. Um, and if you could harness any portion of that energy, it would be, it would be almost unlimited. Okay, I think that's where I'm going to stop for today on this. It was It's interesting because I'm going, to, I'm going to recap. We talked about forces on comets, them being um, negatively charged, moving against the positively charged plasma that the sun's putting out uh, in the form of what we call cosmic winds, which are muons and... Uh, neutrinos and um, gamma radiation. So there's some form of energy waves that are moving out there in space. And they're impacting and that, and there's also current that's moving along the Birkeland current from the sun to the earth. So you have electrical current that's also interacting with the comet. So the comet is moving rapidly through 
this plasma field and it is creating a uh, spectacular trail of gases as it interacts uh, with the positive plasma and that interaction is electrical. Now the same thing is true if we think in the reverse of the flying saucer is that it has a strong electromagnetic fields, force tensors, and it's interacting with matter or uh, mass, and it has the effect of canceling out gravitational effects that we are familiar with, with the gravitational constant, because um, force is equal to mass times acceleration. So as current accelerates, it creates a stronger magnetic field and that is a force vector. So that's the part that I wanted to make sure I'm communicated and um, I will continue this discussion on electromagnetic tensor fields and what I believed happened over the lake in Michigan.